Well, good morning. <laughs> it's nice of you to stop by and check out how the Deerings begin their day. Welcome to this little corner of our house where we have set up so we can meet with God, meet with each other each morning. Let me see here. It's um, 4, four o'clock a.m., that is. <laughs> yeah, I'm the morning person, and Carol's the night owl. And sometimes that works in our favor, especially when we need some time alone with the Lord. My brain works well in the wee hours of the morning, so that's a good time for me to get together with God and get into His Word. In a couple of hours, of course, I'll have breakfast, and that'll set my body up for a good day. But first, I'm going to eat breakfast for my spirit, which also helps me have a good day. There's a very practical reason why Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life, and John sees Jesus as the word of life. When you put those two together, you see that God's word nourishes our spirit. Now, if I stop eating food, it may take a little time, but I'll eventually face starvation. And I know from experience that if I stop feeding my spirit, I will also quickly become spiritually ill, and so will you. Most of the problems I have and those of my friends have a strong spiritual component to them. Sometimes Carol and I go out for breakfast, and the menu gives all sorts of options, but the results are always the same, nourishment for our bodies. And it's the same when feasting on God's Word. There's all sorts of options A lot of people like those little devotionals like Upper Room. I call them devotions light. You know, if you're sort of in a hurry, they work. Others have Bible reading plans through the Bible in a year, or some people have a chronological Bible. They like to read that way. Some listen to the word being read on your iPhone. If you have uh, U U Bible, is it? You uh, you can listen there, and it's... uh, it's great, great to listen to God's Word being read that way. I have friends who like to meditate on God's Word. They'll just pick a verse, and they'll just repeat that verse over and over in the quiet of their home, and they'll just think, what does that mean to me? Maybe you have a special Bible you use. I do. It's good to have a special Bible for your morning devotions. It's always there, and it's got all your notes in it. Or perhaps you use your iPhone for reading the Bible. That's very convenient. When you're on the go, you can always bring that Bible up on your iPhone. There are all manners of approaches to feeding on the Word, but the outcome is the same, spiritual nourishment. Here's what works for me. I tackle one book of the Bible at a time, And each day I read a little, and it always seems like the Holy Spirit gives me exactly the right portion for that morning spiritual breakfast. And then I journal. What does this mean to me? What is what God is saying? What is it that God is saying to me? Often that leads me down a rabbit trail as I chase a word or a thought through the Bible. Sometimes I linger in this space for almost an hour. But other times I have to confess that I just charge through my breakfast. 
I'd like to say that I'm faithful and I do this every day, but that would be far from true. Sometimes I have other spiritual activities to do in the morning, but there's also mornings when just out of pure laziness, I don't get to do this. And I know when I don't because I start to suffer those pangs of spiritual illness. I begin to pay the price for not being in the Word every morning. Well, hello, dear. (laughs) Good night's sleep. Sort of. Yeah, sometimes I have problems breathing. Uh, yeah, I noticed that. That's why I'm up a little early this morning. <laughs> would you like some coffee? Oh, I would love it. Okay, yep. good. I would love it. Thank you. I don't know about him. He's always so happy in the morning. My goodness. There's, there's a, a verse, Proverbs 27, 14, and I think it might apply to him. If a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning... It will be taken as a curse. (gasps) Well, good morning, everyone, to all of you. It's 6 a.m. right now. It seems pretty early to be having church. While he's out making a fresh pot of coffee, actually, Jay prefers the dregs from yesterday. Oof, I can't stand them. Let's talk about what I do to start my day. I have a Bible here that I've had for quite a while, ever since um, we were licensed. That was given to us by the church. And uh, so I go through that, and it's a life application Bible. And then I have my little journal here. And um, I'm a little slow. Uh, I started the beginning of Lent in Matthew, and I'm only at the sixth chapter right now. But each day, it's just full of so much. Uh, Today, it was about money. And it was about not worrying and don't store up treasures here on earth, but store them up in heaven. Then I also go to my, each day, I have some devotions that are downloaded on my computer, and I'll do that. One of them is called the If Equip, and right now they're studying about the Nicene Creed, and that's been so rich. And then I have some others that I do throughout the day, but it's... That's usually my time when I just start my day and spend time with the Lord. Oh, here you are. Here you are, dear. Fresh stuff. Wow. Just the way you like it. Thank you. I overheard you sharing with these folks about your spiritual breakfast. Yes, I did. You know, I always consider it a blessing to have this cozy little spot for our morning (laughs) devotions. Honey, are you ready to pray? Yep. What should we pray about today? Well, for sure, we should be praying for Tim and Jay McCumber. They should be nearing Indonesia by now, and if they're not already there. You know, it's a little bit scary for a mom when her children are traveling. I never get entirely comfortable with our kids' travels. Well, I think we should also be praying for church today. God's really stirring the pot molding and shaping us and leading us into the future. And I know change leaves a lot of people on the uneasy side. You can count me as one of them. Let's pray. Okay. We'll pray together. Father God, as we come into this holy time, 
I just counted a blessing to be able to pray with my husband. And um, right now I lift up Tim and Jen as they are flying to Indonesia. And Lord, we trust them and trust them to you. We pray for protection for them, especially for Jay, because in his last trip to Indonesia, we remember that he got malaria. Keep him safe, Lord. Uh, keep them alert. <coughs> Lord, as they made their connection, probably or even now are making their connection with Paul. We know there's a briefing that happens before they go into the conference. I pray, Lord, that they're able to discern what your spirit's doing. We know that the government of Indonesia is putting up a lot of roadblocks to these missionary pilots. And we pray, Lord, that you make the path clear that they might know and that you would protect them as they fly in this very difficult environment. I pray for their families, Lord, for those missionaries as um, each year they have to go through a discernment process as to how to educate their children. And Paul and Beth especially are getting to the point with their older son where they have to make that decision. So Lord, make your, make your will known to them. Father God, as they move on from the conference there um, into Thailand for Zoe, I pray for Lori and Brad Ortenzi, especially who are from Ephrata, and as they have gone there to help in that mission field, Lord, I pray for Tim and Jay as they minister to all those who are helping house and keep a safe place for those who have been human trafficked. Lord, I can't even imagine the pain of each day facing those children and their eyes and the pain that they've been through. Father God, give them wisdom as they meet those needs there. Oh, Lord God, you are so good. And I just praise you and thank you for these young men who are um, being sent by you. Protect them, Lord. And Lord, I come to you this morning on behalf of Parker Ford Church, this church which you brought us to 37 years ago and we love so much. And I thank you, Lord, that while many, many things remain the same, God, because they are truth, that other things change so that we can minister to you and minister for you, Lord. And in the last 10 years of this church's life, you have brought about so much change. And when I look at that video of all those children on Tuesday night, I reflect on where we were 10 years ago, and it is a miracle. It is just such a miracle what you're doing in Parker Ford Church. <coughs> Lord, I thank you for the young families that now populate our congregation. And Lord... I thank you for all the little children when they run around the church. What a blessing. And I thank you, Lord, that there are leaders rising up amongst these young people, too, and that the church is in good hands and the church is moving forward. But, Lord, it is difficult when we experience change. <clears throat> and so I pray for grace 
grace for Parkford Church as we do go through change. God, that we get it right, um, that, that we keep in place everything that's true, but then be able to move on uh, with the ministry and, and those activities that need to change in order for us to be relevant. Thank you, God, for the way you have loved us throughout the years. You have been so faithful in the years that we've experienced here, so faithful, year after year after year, and ge now generation after generation. You have blessed us. You love us. You wrap your arms around us, and you keep us close to you. And I thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, dear. I always feel so much better after we've prayed together. I just feel as though I've been able to turn my worries over to God and I can get on with the day knowing that he has everything under control. Amen. I think I first learned that lesson when we said goodbye to Samantha and put her on that teen mission bus down in King of Prussia. I will never forget that day. Do you remember kids were hanging out the window? The bus was so packed full of kids that were going to Florida and there were baggage all over the top. They had no room in the bus for the baggage. And there we were. She didn't know a soul. We had no idea where in the world she would go that summer. Whew, do you remember that? Well, I sure do. She was such a little girl <laughs> at the time. But, you know, Germany didn't turn out to be such a bad place, did it? Huh? Mm -hmm. uh, my big challenge was saying goodbye to Ernie when he left for Bangladesh. Three years was a long time, especially before Internet. Waiting months for those little blue email, airmail letters, you know, uh, exercised my faith and my patience. Boy, how I cherished those letters. I guess the biggest lesson for me through those years of Germany, Bangladesh, Mozambique, Ireland, and Nepal is that our kids are just on loan to us. And we have to give them back to, the go back to God and trust him for their well-being. I really think entrusting them to God was half the battle in raising them. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. But the other half was at the home front. Family devotions, Saturday night rallies at the youth center, Bible club with Rosella. I'll even throw Boy Scouts in the mix. I think that had a huge impact on Tim and Ernie and myself as a scoutmaster. Oh, boy, you're right. I remember the Pottstown Youth Center. Remember, we'd stop working at 5 o'clock one Saturday and get all ready to go over to the youth center. It was right across from the hospital down in the basement, remember, mm -hmm. chat and chew or something. And then... Um, and then we'd often be led in worship by Gil Vining. Who would have thought that Brandon Vining, his son, would be leading our youth today um, uh, occasionally as yeah. they go over to uh, Royersford? Wow, that's amazing. And then on Saturday morning, we didn't have a TV for eight years, so on Saturday morning, we'd turn the radio on and we'd listen to some of the children's program, and Uncle Charlie was on. Who would have who would have imagined little Josh on Uncle Charlie was Josh Bitework who came to our church years later. <laughs> Honestly, it's so amazing to me how there are so many connections in the kingdom Amen. of God. Family devotions, though, were the best, especially when they began with those dinner conversations covering, 
covering all imaginable topics. Oh, don't forget, don't forget how very important church was. Yeah, how could I? Uh, church was the hub of our family life. Sundays set the rhythm for our week. After those wonderful Saturday nights at Pottstown Youth Center, going to church the next day with our friends, hearing Pastor Bob preach, singing those great hymns like we just sang this morning, it was a little bit of heaven. And, and then there was Sunday nights. After prayer meeting, we'd head for Burger King. You remember that? I sure do. And what a mix of Christians we encountered. Um, we met the Benjamins, and they were still at Valley Forge Christian College when we first met them, long before they ever joined Wycliffe. You know, I believe our family's close association with many of our church's missionaries was an important experience in the lives of our children. Oh, and how about youth group? I think that of all the friends, Harry and Leona had the most influence on our children. They were the greatest youth leaders. The puppet ministry was my favorite. Those kids would get into it, and they could make me laugh so hard I could hardly breathe. <laughs> Harry and Leona had a huge impact on another area, too. They introduced Parker Ford Church and the Deerings to lay witness mission. Not only did it change the direction of the church, but it gave us an opportunity as a family ministry that we could all participate in. I think we went on, oh, 20 missions. I think you're about right. It was 20 missions. Those weekends were great. And God had to work miracles to keep my job from interfering sure with did. him. Yeah. Including all that travel to exotic places like Thurmont, Maryland, and Tunkhannock, Pennsylvania. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it was on one of those weekends, or on those weekends, I would say, during the whole mission, that Tim really began his preaching career. You're right. Having that family ministry was instrumental in the spiritual development of our kids. I'll have to remember to thank Leona the next time I see her. Amen. Well, we've really been blessed. Raising a family is such a challenge. It sure is. Yeah, and it gets more difficult every year as our culture leaves God further and further behind. You have to be so deliberate in the choices you make. And very often, you feel like you're swimming upstream against a powerful cultural current that will sweep your family away if you give in. And that current is the strongest in the very place our children spend half their waking day. Are you referring to school? I sure am. But what a touchy subject. Well, it is touchy, and that's because it's so misunderstood. What do you mean? Well, I mean that people discuss the topic of school. When they do, they focus on influence instead of education. And when they do talk education, their focus is on the icing and not the cake. I still don't get it. Well, listen to the, dis the debates. You know, people who are thinking of sending their children to Christian school often believe that somehow they're protecting them. And you and I know that that just can't be done. Boy, that's for sure. Kids must learn to protect themselves. And teaching them how to do that begins with truth. Education is built on a foundation of philosophy, and there are basically two to choose from. 
One begins with God and the other one does not. And while that philosophy is what differentiates Christian school from public school, school is the wrong place to learn it. Meaning? Meaning that establishing that philosophy in the minds of our children was our responsibility. God invented parents long before man invented school teachers. So what advice would you give our now adult children? You mean what advice have we given them already? I tell them to use their head. Consider all the factors and make your choice. But never neglect your responsibility to establish and maintain that philosophy in your kids. And nothing, that nothing exists by accident of nature. And that God is the creator of all things. Don't forget the rest of the, history, of the story. Okay. I know where you're going. Keep talking. Okay. <laughs> Well, you just said that before there were schools, there were families. I'll say the same thing for churches. Before there were churches, there were families too. And it's our role as parents to bring our children to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and then lead them in making that all-important commitment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I've heard some parents make the argument that they didn't think it was right to indoctrinate their kids. Instead, they're going to let them grow into full adulthood, and then they can decide for themselves what they believe. Wow. Well, if they're not believers, I don't know what to say. You might as well say, why let your children decide for themselves whether the world is round or flat? It's the same thing. Oh, no, I'm sorry, but I know the gospel is true, and if they want to call it indoctrination, fine, indoctrinating children in truth is absolutely the right thing to do. Well, the other argument I've heard is that little children haven't experienced the hardcore temptations of adulthood yet, and their childhood commitment to Christ won't stand the test later in life. Well, I'm probably a lot more expert in raising little children than you are, dear. Yeah, I admit that. (laughs) So to begin with, children have an amazing capacity to grasp God and the love of Jesus Christ. In fact, way more than many adults. Jesus made this clear too. So leading little children to him is the right thing to do. Will they need to give spiritual guidance as they grow into adulthood? We all need to get spiritual guidance and of course we will. Encourage them to recommit their lives to Christ if need be. Maybe they want to be baptized again. Wonderful. They can literally become Anabaptists then. But always be ready to remind them of that childhood commitment and assure them that it was genuine. Tell the folks what we do for our family. Uh, You're speaking of uh, the family Bible, no doubt? Yes. Okay. Uh, That's a tradition that seems to have been lost, but could benefit from some recycling. In bygone days, families would record all the pertinent family history in the front of their Bible. The publishers made provisions for that, and in fact, they still do. So I urge parents to buy a high-quality Bible for just this purpose and use it for recording family history. And in particular, record the date your children accepted Christ as Savior. In fact, I'll share a little bit 
with uh, you from our family Bible. Timothy Paul Deering, born December 31st, 1976. Timothy, reborn beyond doubt, January 15th, 1985. Timothy, recommitted to Christ, January 11th, 1991. Keep that Bible in a prominent place and use it to remind your kids of their commitment to Christ. Make a big deal about it. You know, some families celebrate their children's spiritual rebirthdays. Well, I guess we've had a lot to learn over the past 40 years since we accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, haven't we? 40 years? Has it been that long? Yep. 1975, when we came to know Christ as our Savior, you had just turned 30, and I was a few weeks from 32. Wow. What a change that made in our lives. Our family was pretty much a clean slate at that point. God did some amazingly wonderful things in our lives and in our family. But I must say that it was not our doing We were babes in Christ, and we needed, and I mean desperately needed, mentors, and God provided. Oh, my, do you remember Joanne Rhodes who prayed for our community, and then she went knocking on all the doors and invited all the women to a Bible study? That was my first Bible study ever. And then we were introduced to Amos and Lois Bontrager, and you met with Amos for three years in the basement of the Parsonage at Bart Mennonite. And 10 of you men. And then all of a sudden, after three years, God sort of moved us, many of you along. Mm-hmm. And then we had Friday nights at our house. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. There were so many kids upstairs. And after we sang and prayed, then up in that room, sometimes we were picking jello off the wall. Do you remember <laughs> that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> and then the Lord provided for us when we moved here. Uh, he provided Parker Ford Church. Mm-hmm. And then um, Friday nights we'd have at Harry, Harry and Leona's after okay. they uh, joined Parker Ford. That was such a blessing. Yeah, I remember those, uh, those days with Amos Bontrager in his basement being mentored uh, with those other guys. We were a bunch of rough guys before he got hold of us. But in three years, he was really able to shape us up. Well, dear, the pastors ask us to share some of the things that have spiritually enriched our lives. I think we've done that. I think so, too. Anything else you want to share? No, thanks. I'm ready for breakfast. Are you going to take me somewhere? (laughs) Love to. But first, I'd like to share one last thought, and this one is directed to fathers. Dads, you've heard us talking about how the family is the first and foundational human institution. So it should be no surprise to you that you, fathers, not your wives, you fathers are the high priest of that family. Live it. Live the high priest job, the calling that you have. And if you don't know how, find somebody who is doing it well and imitate him. Set the right example for your kids always. And always be in prayer for your family. I have a very special prayer time for that very purpose. It's at night, just before I go to bed. I kneel down beside the bed, 
and I dress God in a very special way. Carol has occasionally tried to kneel beside me, but I chase her away. This is business between me and God. The first thing I do is I announce myself. Father, this is John Deering Jr., the patriarch of the John Deering Jr. family. And as patriarch, I know from reading your word that I have special responsibilities and special privileges in praying for my family. First, I confess my failings before you this day. Please spare my family from any spiritual consequences of my sin. Then, Lord, I claim Psalm 34-7 as a promise from you for my family. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. As a family, Lord, we fear you. So please surround my wife, my children, their spouses, and grandchildren with your holy angels and protect them. And for their sake, do the same for me. And it's only because of your son, Jesus, who died for my sin and that of my family, that I can pray this prayer. Amen. Good night, love. Oh, no, you're just telling them about that. You're taking me to breakfast. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.